Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. So many beautiful souls out there have reached out to me and told me the most incredible stories of how some of my guests have touched their lives. And boy, oh boy, did that mean the world to me. So thank you so much. I can never, ever get enough of that, right? Ugh. And they are beautiful souls for sure. My next guest, I'm so glad we figured out how to get together time-wise because he lives in New Zealand, but he is an incredible soul. And I know we talk about being vulnerable and telling your truth so you can impact others. And man, oh man, is he willing to. Plus, he has such an amazing sense of humor. I love this guy. A few things that he offered to talk about and we covered was how scary was it for you to come out of the closet, so to speak, a doctor who openly admitted he was an alcoholic. Yep, that's him. In addition, this is what he said. I am very happy to talk about the reasons why I tried to numb my pain, depression, anxiety, PTSD, type A personality, to mention a few. My friends, please enjoy, share, and like, and rate. I deeply, deeply appreciate it. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Hello, hello, my Let's Keep It Real people. I get so excited when I get to interview people from around the world. But before I bring on Stefan, let me just tell you a little bit about Dr. Stefan Neff is passionate about demystifying mental health problems and helping the people around him live a life so full of joy that yesterday, this is my favorite line, yesterday is jealous of today. Born in Germany, Stefan has studied medicine at the prestigious, I hope I got it right, Heidelberg University before traveling and working around the globe. Nowadays, he has settled down, which I need to know so much more about, as an, est- an anesthesiist? Oh, my goodness. An anesthesiist? In, I, I read that totally wrong the first time. An I'm sorry. An- <laughs> um, that's so much to... All right, we'll go back. Chevy <laughs> tried it. Chevy tried it again, Sandy. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go back to that. <laughs> so, the anesthetist, as an anesthetist, or in, in America, you call it anesthesiologist, although our training here is, is anesthetist. Anesthetist. That's it. My guy, Thomas, will not cut any of it out because they like me being a big goofball <laughs> in New Zealand and has become a best selling author and advocate for mental health and addiction. He's uniquely qualified in this role. After all, a lifetime of trauma led Stefan to drown his sorrows, only to find, I like this line, that the critters can swim. Can't they? Can't they? As an alcoholic in recovery, he experienced addiction in, and mental health problems firsthand. After successful rehabilitation, Stefan is now an expert in living a life so fantastic. Woo-hoo! I love your lines. That alcohol has simply no role to play. All right, we're going to bring you in there. First of all, before we even back up to what you do in New Zealand, what's your one word? 
one word that best describes your past 30 days, whatever pops into your head, good, bad, or ugly. And why did you pick that word? Survival. Survival. Um, survival. Definitely. Because you just told me about the snakes and the spiders and no, 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 no. That's the Australians. No, 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 no. no, no. Uh, we that don't have. We don't have. There is nothing here that can kill you apart from all your own stupidity. So <laughs> uh, I already throw the, the line out there, guys. Come to New Zealand. Amazing place. Um, lovely people, and nothing that can kill you. Good stuff. Good. Um, no survival. Simply because. We're living in really strange times. There is constant change and not always for the better. Um, there's a financial downturn. There is a world war basically playing out as, as we see. Um, there are lots of problems within my family. Just because you try to live a, a positive life does not mean that the shit doesn't hit the fan left, right and center. And unfortunately, in my life, it tends to never rain. It always pours. Um, and so mm. I'm in the middle of a downpour. And it is what it is. So I get to to practice what I preach. I get to mm. I get to experience the privilege of hard times. Because hard times create hard men. Hard men create good times. Mm. Um and so it's good to bring the survivor back out uh out of the closet. He is the cold dude within me who is quite happy to walk over corpses and, and you know, drink out of the skull of his enemies. Um, no oh, emotions. my gosh. I just can't <laughs> even imagine that. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you have to be a Viking. And and that is okay. Vikings. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. There, there needs to be there needs to be a uh, that person in you. Uh, if he runs your life all the time, well, that's probably not so clever. Um, it's also quite exhausting because you, uh, I like the guy. When I'm in this guy, when, when I let him out, then my life becomes very clear. Uh, my vision becomes very clear. All emotions disappear. And there's just this ice cold, crystal clear winter morning uh, there. Um, what is the next thing I need to do? Okay. Next thing I need to do. Okay. Next thing I need to do. Boom. Nice. Um, don't, don't like the guy too much because unfortunately, yeah, it is, it is that training. Also, I hate these, these times. Okay. We've had now three years of COVID and of, oh, whatsoever. We are now officially turning into a recession, um, with our race of the interest rate, you know, all that shit. Can it finally stop? Okay, it's we've had it three years. Fine, you want to create strong men. Okay, okay, okay. You've you've achieved your goal. Whoever <laughs> has got the controls, take it easy now. Give me a bit of sunshine. Okay. <laughs> so that's as simple as that. Oh my god! You okay? So now, <laughs> why did you settle in New Zealand? We're clear; it's not Australia. <laughs> <laughs> thank and you thank you <laughs> five million new zealanders are very happy that you that you made that distinction from the united well, states i don't know because they got rattlesnakes apparently <laughs> tell us about what you do in new zealand after i bastardized that <laughs> well and anesthetist is uh is the friendly guy who meets you when you are down and out when you're afraid when you're scared 
when you're undergoing either elective or emergency surgery yeah. um, and who is by your side as your wingman who looks after you whilst you are out or uh, whilst you have some clever application of local anesthesia, which makes you numb in a part of your, of yeah. your body. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they're not. But we are also those people. We are essentially the, the kind of special forces of the medical world. Um, when some shit really hits the fan, you will find us there. Um, so if in the emergency department, uh, someone is really in trouble, um, then we are there because you might then go to the intensive care ward, which we are there. Yeah. Um, if you're in labor screaming because you're pushing a little bowling ball out of your private parts, um, then the anesthetist is your best friend who gives yeah. you an epidural, <laughs> uh, and so many other things. Oh so, my God. So You're it's never it's never boring. You are very important. Trust me. <laughs> I like to believe so. Um, but no, it's it's that's not not, a trump, not beating my own drum. It is just the, the beauty of my profession because we are it was described in the past as as hours of boredom, moments of terror. Um that was that is the anesthetist. Uh in reality, no. If you play a, a different game where mm. you expect that everything goes wrong at any one time, but you are prepared for it, nothing catches you out because you have already thought about it. And if you then take that skill set and actually translate it into your life, then it actually, the world is no longer as scary because mm. you have already moved out of the victim uh, position into a survival position. Um, so that is a, quite a beautiful thing. Not Unfortunately, not all of us are so good in doing that yeah uh, too many of us uh, very hardly draw a line between how we behave at work and how we uh, address the challenges in our private life but i like the idea that this this overarching uh situational awareness um in all fairness i mean that came negatively spoken that came from our ptsd um so um whilst the traumas in my life, unfortunately, have very much altered my fabric of life tremendously. There are some good things out of it. The situational awareness. you will It's unlikely that you can catch me out. Uh, so that is good. And that makes me a good doctor. Um, having said that, this ongoing fight and flight, always looking over your shoulder, yeah. can, be, can be tiresome. So that's the problem. So yeah, that's what the anesthetist does. Great job, love it. We'll do it for well, as long as as I remain sharp and remain yeah. passionate yeah. about my my patients. And I will hang up my cloaks when when that goes. I, mean, I can't see that happening soon. <laughs> little different than an esthetician. I mean, a little bit. An esthetician, yeah. Oh well, <laughs> darling, let's do your hair. <laughs> <laughs> I tried mine, didn't work. So <laughs> let me see what I can do with your hair and your nails. <laughs> so Stefan, I got hit a lot when I asked, what do they want to, you know, find out from you? They were really interested in how brave you were, they thought, to come out as a doctor about, you know, you being, you know, in recovery, you know, and what made you do that? Because there's so many of them were saying that, let me just, I want to get a few. Like, I don't think I'm that brave. I wouldn't tell anyone. Uh, 
one young man says he's a recovering addict. He hasn't gone back in 10 years, but he's always petrified. Somebody's going to find out. And he's a surgeon. Brother, if you're listening, um, you would be amazed what response you will get from the patients. Um, because I've got my show and I'm I'm practicing functional medicine as well. So there's often there's often things how I can help patients yeah. uh with with a different lens on. Um and might say, well, look at you with you, maybe with your nutrition, you really want to maybe look a bit more at your gut microbiome, etc. Here's my my card, there is my show. Go to see uh, to to episode fifty. I've got this this nutritionist on there mm. who talks about that. Gotcha. So and on there, that, and my show is my steps to sobriety. So therefore, there is always. I've never ever ever had a negative response, not from my colleagues, not from my patients. On the contrary, wow, um, that's never, awesome. Not, yeah, absolutely. Um, they virtually everyone recognizes that life is often a piece of shit, and you, you, we all have got our secrets. Um, okay, one in three women will have been raped or have experienced mm. sexual abuse. One in seven men. Um, I, I this this weekend, past weekend, a friend came along who hadn't seen for for months and years, and he had a stroke, uh, a mini stroke, and. Mm. He has completely recovered, but that okay. mini stroke has has uh, essentially made him reevaluate his life. And he spoke in the most honest terms about the trauma that he had experienced, which was horrendous. Oh. And I know this guy for 10 years at least or longer. And I thought I knew him. And suddenly I heard this different story coming out. Now, this is typical. You think you know someone. He's a church going, you know, wonderful. Mm -hmm. But when I knew more about the trauma and the things he had to do in the past, uh, well, either by choice or sometimes he had to do what he had to do, um, I had to say, wow, okay, you can't get worse with trauma. And um, that is the reality. So therefore, every single person, however they come to you, and see you, whoever you meet in a function, whoever you talk to, they will have had their trauma. They will have tried to cope in the best way they could. Now, sometimes that would be by making love with everything that moves. As long as it is a heartbeat, it's fair game. Yeah, um, yeah. Drinking, yeah. Uh, eating disorders, um, you name it. There are so many ways how to cope, how to escape from your reality. Many of us become workaholics. I, I was, I'm a holic. Okay. So I'm a holic. First of all, um, I, I was a workaholic far earlier than I was an alcoholic. Um, I'm sure there are other holics in there, which I'm not so proud to talk about. Uh, but you know, it is, it is, it is what it is. Um, we are, we are what we are. Uh, we are, we are chimpanzees in front of a keyboard. And you said, oh, that's nice. What's that? Oh, that's gambling. Oh, I like, I like, I like, I like. That's how we are. That's how our nature is. And unfortunately, um, we, some of us do never move beyond that. Yeah. Some of us heap up so much trauma 
onto our plate or get it heaped up. I mean, <laughs> it was no self-service for me. I tell you that. Um, and it was, there it oh was. And, and sometimes you come to the point where you actually say, okay, fuck that. Uh, it can't continue like that. And that's beautiful. When you come to that point, sometimes you don't mm. make the decision yourself, but other people can make it for you. Yeah. Hopefully people who love you and people who, who try to support you in the best possible way. Um, so this is one way or the other. You come to a point, to the crossroads in your life, and you want to change. And you will yeah. change. Often that is the scariest moment. For me, the scariest moment ever in my life probably was when I said the first time, Hi, I'm Stefan. I'm an alcoholic. The next hour, I do not remember. So this was in a meeting. How old were you? It was nine years ago. Nine years ago. Um, right. When I went into an inpatient rehab. Uh, and it was basically the next morning, the first time that we sort of sat around to right. do a thing. And everyone said, hi, I'm Stefan. I'm, I'm so-and-so. And yeah, yeah. Their label. And then it was me. And I just stood up and automatically said it. And the moment I said it, I felt every single emotion that can be felt. Uh, at that time, still shame, guilt, the negative emotions, sadness, but also joy, freedom, um, a my God. Um, and because addiction is something you hide, addiction lives in the darkness, lives in the shadows. Mm. The moment you bring it out into the light, something changes. And especially for me as a doctor, I, I had gone through a lot of trauma, also related to, to the work I was doing at the time. I was fighting for my patients and I was, I was, oh my God, I took far too much of their suffering on myself. Yeah. So yeah. there was a problem there, uh, a big problem there. So I was fighting against an institution which was changing the way funding was, was done uh, in our country. And when you fight institutions, uh, it's not a pretty time. So um, one way or the other, I I had this, I just, it was darkness. And when you, as a doctor, you write contracts with whoever you, you work yeah, with. Yeah. And there's always a, a clause in there, you're not allowed to speak negative about the the organization, the hospital that you work with. Oh boy. So here you are. You're, you're basically mouth gagged. And then here I was suddenly in, in rehab and I could actually talk honestly. Oh, oh God. You, you couldn't shut me up for a week. Yeah. You couldn't shut me up. Um, because it was the first time that I actually could talk about the injustices that I had perceived happened to me. Um, mm. and it was so beautiful. Um, having said that, what then happened a few few um days down the line my my case manager my 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 worker there she said look stefan can you write all your grievances down on a piece of paper and uh tonight and we discuss it tomorrow and i said oh that's cool yes let's do that that night i wrote until my fingers bled uh in my new details, all the things, what they have done to me. Bah, 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 bah. And the next day, multiple pieces of paper came in there. Yes, I'm ready. Come on, let's talk. And she took the papers. Mm -hmm. 
then folded them, put them to the side and said, cool. Now let's talk about you. But, 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 look, day, day, day. No, no, no. You, let's talk about you. I was angry with her. <laughs> I was so angry with her. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, but it was this weird thing because they did that. Therefore, I drink now a whole bottle of vodka. Ha ha. That will yeah. show them. Ha ha. And it's such a stupid thinking. So I was pissed off that she actually put that to the side. But with that, she did me the biggest favor. She actually uh, gave me a book to read. It is no longer in print, but it was basically a, a book from a woman who um, was married and she went through a, a separation. Her estranged husband one morning came along and in their driveway on a Saturday slit the throat of her three children and of her father in front of her. And that was in the first 10, 15 pages. And oh I thought, fuck. A lot of things have happened to me, but okay, that beat me hands down. And there was this, this weird, this weird pissing contest. Oh, your trauma is bigger than mine. And, but I was so shocked about that, that I read, keep reading uh, on that book and how she transformed from the victim to now a woman who has got a meaning in her life, who is trying to help mental health etc cetera, etc cetera. um so wow. it was it was the wow. first time that the victim modus that i was living in was interrupted and it was mm. interrupted very powerful for those of you who still remember there's a thing called vinyl there's sort of uh, lps <laughs> that, that that things are sort of on a turntable they go around and round and mm. they're 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 weird they've got little grooves in there and they make music now if you ever get a scratch on them it will never sound the same, the same, the same, the same. Um, you will hear. <laughs> so therefore, that's what she did. She took a big screwdriver to my victim vinyl. Yeah. And then I could never be that victim again because I now actually had an insight that there is also me there who plays a role in sustaining this victimhood. It is a choice to be a victim. It is yeah. a choice to be a survivor. And it's a choice to be a thriver. I didn't know all that then, but I knew that something had changed the moment I started reading that book. And that was amazing. That is the advantage when you go to, into a rehab, yeah. uh, where, you, where you go into yeah. a place which helps you, where people are there, where you are the dumbest person of that team. And that was so amazing. And in all fairness, it was also beautiful. Coming back to the to the to my surgeon brother out there who says, Hey, uh, wow, um, how could you possibly speak yeah. out? When I looked around in that rehab, every single person who was treating me was a, a, an addict. Um, the yoga instructor, she turned up drunk once upon a time to her to her class. Um others yeah. uh, were were uh, any kind of addiction you could have was there so therefore you can't bullshit a bullshitter that was so good they had heard it all because it had come out of their own mouths yeah so, they lived it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly so that was amazing so now that month was one of the most crucial months in my lives in my life uh or maybe lives if there are more lives out there who knows um but this was an amazing one um because 
it completely changed my fabric. Um, it completely changed my my matrix. Yeah, it was beautiful. So now suddenly I saw the choice: blue pill or red pill. It was my choice, mm. and that is power. That is power. That's privilege. The privilege of choice, mm. and the privilege then of taking action. I think that was the key thing that I learned there. Every single second, you can, uh, you you have choices. And whilst you can't do anything about Ukraine, you can't do anything about COVID, um, all those kind of things, the financial downturn. No, you can't do anything about it. But you can establish principles and habits that serve you better than the bottle or the donut or the horn, whatever it is. Um, So you can have the choice of actually going out there and say, look, you know what? Right now, I'm feeling really a bit anxious. And you say, okay, cool. Hi, anxiety. Um, lovely to see you. Um, what are you bringing me here as a message? Uh, why am I anxious? Uh, not being angry about, oh my God, I'm anxious. I don't want to be anxious. I'm a positive man now. I'm in recovery. I live a positive life. Fuck off. No, you're anxious. Okay, so let's go back to the basics. How did you sleep last night? Like shit. Okay, fair call. Um, have you drunk water? No, you're dry like a crisp. Um, okay. Have you had just some not so nice emails? Oh, surprise, surprise. And have you eaten something? No. Ah, good. <laughs> Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Halt. Um, there you are. So by actually you no longer getting upset about your emotions, but as you see them as messages from your body or from the universe, however you want to look at things. So, Stefan, oh, my God, you're so entertaining. I got so many questions for you. Let me just get a few in. Hmm. First of all, when did you start your podcast? About three years ago. Three years ago. Uh, yeah. So and we've got now about 350 um, guests and give or take, I don't know, I don't know how many videos in total, 450 or so. That must be so rewarding and healing at the same time. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Uh, it's a privilege to talk to people um, because uh, there's so many people who have opened my mind to different paths, to different ways. Yeah. Um, I've got to understand that there is not one way to how to skin the cat. There are so many ways to find bliss and find joy and mm. deal with your challenges. And depending upon your own makeup and your own previous experiences, your beliefs in this world, there is one way that will help you to become a better version of yourself. Yeah. And that is so powerful. And who am I to say that this is right or wrong? So I'm not religious whatsoever. But if you believe in and in Jesus Christ and you go out there and Jesus that belief in Jesus helps yeah. you tremendously yeah. to connect with others and deep prayer gives you the same end result as a deep meditation, etc. Who am I to say that this is wrong? No. I agree. This is this is what works for you. It just yeah. would drive me up the up the, the, the the palm <laughs> up yeah. the tree. Um, so no, this is you need to find what works for you. But equally, big message there for all your listeners: there is a way out of your misery. There is help. There is hope. You just mm -hmm. haven't discovered yeah. it yet, or maybe it has been there all the time, but you were mm -hmm. unwilling to take it. Uh, 
that's, yeah. that's again where your choice comes in because 95 percent of addicts of alcoholics certainly 95 percent of alcoholics will swear on the grave of their mother that there's absolutely nothing wrong with them okay denial is the biggest oh. biggest hurdle uh, of to seek to our oh, denial is a huge thing um and and it, our behavior shows that because we normalize alcohol we make jokes about it how do you call a meal without alcohol breakfast um how you know <laughs> those kind of things so the moment someone makes jokes like that or has them on their website or on yeah. their instagram yeah. you know yeah. exactly darling you have got a problem with alcohol um you uh people will always have parties um so they will have a, a, a strong social life where they typically have a lot of other people who enjoy alcohol around so they always have a a confirmation that this is normal b there will be always someone who is drinking a bit more so they can say me alcoholic no john over there yeah that's absolutely that's true that's true so this is there's certain behaviors that that addicts choose um and once they once you learn about them once they become clear in your head you can actually counteract them and you can actually as a doctor you can you can uh use them as a diagnostic tool you can use them if if you if i know certain comments will get me that knowing uh-huh and i know exactly i don't even need to do any test with you i know exactly what your liver function is yeah um etc so yeah you know i didn't think about that but you're right and i'm thinking a few people matter of fact I had a statement and it really bothered me. And I was going, I got to make sure I ask Stefan about this. This woman was saying that her friend who is an alcoholic only became an alcoholic because her husband was not able to provide her in the lifestyle she was used to leaving. Well, look at and I'm look. sitting there, we're drinking tea and we're talking and there's, and the woman says, so-and-so was, you know, she would drink, but she was not an alcoholic. Until her husband, they were well off. It's his fault because he couldn't keep her in the lifestyle she was accustomed to. I swear, I didn't mean to stop. I usually just walk away. But the tea, it just spit out all over the place. And I said, okay, cool, cool, cool. (laughs) I'm no expert here, but I don't think that was it. And my friend kept elbowing me. She's like, Sandy, just go now because she didn't want to get in the bad fight. So let's just address that. Oh, please. I mean, both of our laughter says says far more than any word I can now say. Um, This is the classic, the classic. That was was what I was because they did that. Therefore, I drink. Ha ha. Rather than taking ownership, that is what you do. I mean, I went through a 12 step program um, and um, there was no, whilst there was the word God there, God meant a group of orderly drunks or a group of druggies uh, in our case, not a, not um, that, that uh, imaginary friend out there. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, that 12 step program and in the fourth step, you do a lot of writing. The fourth step is all about uh, you making lists of things. One of them is the grievances list, um, oh. where you write down, okay, here, that is the person, that is what he has done, that is how it made me feel. Boom, three columns, 
and you go pages for pages and that is the kind of of yeah i'm the victim i'm the victim what then a few days later um what your caseworker or your psychologist or etc does is comes back to that list draws a fourth column on it and then says what was your role in that scenario what do you mean no 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 he did that and that, that is how he made me feel yeah but how did it come about um why? What did he? What he did? Ah, oh, because he's an asshole. Yeah, okay, fair call. Asshole, easy. That situation. What about the next situation? Um, oh, oh well, actually, yes, yes. Uh, that was my neighbor. Um, and he really spoke to me nasty about me, uh, uh, to me, and about me to the neighborhood. Why was that? Uh, I borrowed his lawnmower and didn't give it back, or I gave it back broken. Um. Yeah, actually, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe, just maybe. But he's still an asshole. Um, and it's that kind of thing. So where was your role in that? It always takes two to tango in a relationship. It takes two to tango in a fight. Um, so what was your role? And once you start actually exploring that, you realize that sometimes you are the biggest culprit. You are the reason why actually things happen. Um, the next step then is to figure out why do you respond like a bull to a red rug in certain situations. And that's then when you come back to typically your own trauma, often to trauma that occurred to you in your childhood, mm -hmm. um, to you start exploring your life with different lenses. And that mm -hmm. is a really beautiful thing. So, but all that is a journey. Um, yeah, and initially yeah. you might hear about it and think, yeah, yeah, it makes sense whilst you're sipping your glass of Chardonnay. Um, it is when you actually stop drinking when you actually start feelings, when you start having emotions, when you're no longer pushing them aside or numbing them or running away from them, when you actually start experiencing them, God, and in all fairness, that, that takes me back to rehab because every morning, 10 o'clock was feelings. Well, you basically sit around in a circle and you're not allowed any sunglasses, yeah. you're not allowed any hat, nothing in your hands, no book, no nothing. And you're just sitting there. And you're just, yeah. And then the bastard of, of the, the, the guy who runs you through it just sits there, doesn't say a word. And you just think, someone says something. And someone does. And someone says, you ate all the cookies last night. And the other person says, no, I didn't. He did. Oh, and then suddenly within 10 minutes, there are, there are is laughter, there's anger, there's joy, there is uh, depression, sadness, yeah. everything is there. And you can't run away from it. You can't distract yourself. You can't numb yourself. You actually have to experience mm. emotions and feelings. And that is the most weird sensation if you are used to numb yourself. Yeah. To actually see those waves, how they are crushing over you. And that is, that was one of the harder things for me to learn and the acceptance that this for is. For most people. You know, yeah. Stephen, I was just talking to someone the other day and they were talking about his coach called him out on the fact that he was suppressing a lot of deep trauma, mm -hmm. but he was doing things that most people would call healthy. He was working long hours. He of was course. helping lots of people. He of was course. working out for extreme exactly. hours. Exactly. So anything, even 
Exactly. They're good things. Those are all in surface. Like, wait a minute, I'm helping people. I'm working out for hours. I'm doing all this. He's like, yeah. yes. But he said it took this guy was trying to tell me the same thing for a year and I couldn't see it. I'm <laughs> running from trauma, but you would say, I'm not drinking, I'm not doing drugs, I'm doing all these other things, but he exactly. still was running from his pain. And you said that Absolutely. at the beginning. Absolutely. The holic. And so, and that is that is one of the reasons that I became so successful as a doctor because I was just doing crazy things. I was working around the clock. I was basically making a point uh, every quarter of a year, every half a year. I would do a study or write mm -hmm. a chapter in a book or do things, everything to keep me keep me uh, busy and occupied. Yeah, but I didn't recognize it for what it was. That it was a behavior that was not sustainable to start off with although i mean I, I lived the boom and bust behavior for so long i mean talk about burnouts my god i had some doozies uh there because i was just going around the clock um and when i couldn't work anymore because i was so tired i would drink that then gave me a second wind and i would oh. keep working oh yeah oh i was you tired nope on the contrary and oh. that is the that is where I uh, could still use alcohol in situations where um, I felt I needed to get something done. Hmm. Um, so although I was tired, maybe from a long week or a long month or a long year, but who hmm. cares? Tonight, I think I need to clean up the garage. Why? I don't know, but I need to clean up the garage. <laughs> so there you go. Give me three glasses of wine. Suddenly this... Uh, Feeling comes over me, my muscles relax, oh. I become more supple. And okay, let's put some music yeah. up. It's three o'clock in the morning. Let's clean up the garage. Okay. But of okay. course, I'm actually tired as hell deep inside. Yeah. I'm I'm tricking yeah. myself. I'm stealing energy from the next day. And you can only do that this long. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. therefore, I never learned how to stop. I never learned how to uh look after myself proper. So it was complete burnout behavior and, and yeah, energizer bunny until the batteries run out. And that yeah. is just weird. So no, you can't live like that. Yeah. I want to make sure I get these two things in before you go, because there's, I got go, go. So many, the same question over and over. I want to make sure I talk about your book, but before we do that, this big question, and I've gotten for people that have children, have wives, ex-wives, husbands that either have mental illness or they're addicts and they feel very guilty that they can't help them. And that especially I get over and over again, they feel guilty that their life is happy and joyful and they don't know what to do about it. Like they feel so helpless with someone who, like, for example, the one person has a daughter who's an alcoholic, but you know, she's married, she's got kids and there's nothing she can do she feels like she doesn't know what to do to help her. The other one has uh, an ex-husband who has severe mental illness. And they feel in different ways, they're saying they feel guilty because they don't know what to do for them. And they don't know how to get out of that guilt. Any advice? The big one. Uh, very, very good questions. I think the key thing to do is to live your life to the fullest and show that you are going through hard times as well. Show that you are going through negative emotions, that you have gone <laughs> through depression. So instead of 
um, being all white picket fans and everything perfect life. No, you say white picket fans, but there's a big hole in that fence <laughs> further down the line that I had to patch up. So <laughs> live a live a full life um, and be honest. Be honest about the previous bout of depression and normalize it. Have these discussion around the dinner table. Model how you are dealing with stress, which hopefully is a bit better than what your daughter does. Um, yeah. Model how you look after yourself and mm. keep offering um, for her to be a part of that. Show that the love is still there. Hate the addiction, but love the addict. Gotcha. I think yeah. That is yeah. that. Is that. Mm -hmm. But model um, what you do is I one of the reasons that uh, that I thought, hey, um, the how should I say that? Um, I thought it was an absolute sham. The people that were sitting in the congregation when I was younger uh, would talk very negatively and nastily about people around them. There was no love in that church. There was just uh, bitterness and viciousness yeah, yeah. and, and that kind of shit. So therefore, I hated that. Uh, that um, sorry. Uh, sorry, I, I, my mind was was trying to answer multiple questions now at the same time. I bring That's myself okay. back. I got it. I know what you mean. <laughs> I bring myself back. I think the point is you need to practice what you preach. Um, I hate people who preach, i.e. that that was where yeah. I went with the, with the congregation. But in reality, they're nasty pieces of shit um, when they are supposedly Christian. Um, so I, you need to do the same. Uh, you can't preach. Oh, you're not supposed to drink like that. How dare you? That is not right. Whilst you're sniffing your cocaine or basically eating the fifth cheesecake today, um, because that's how you deal with your uh, yeah. emotions, negative emotions. And I think that is that. So be there, show the love, show different ways, model different ways how you can deal with your with your negative emotions and maybe that is exactly what this person yeah. needs this person doesn't need the they're not a guilt trip you shouldn't drink like that no absolutely they not. need what they need is a hug and say hey yeah. look yeah you know, what's actually going on yeah and no i you know, love that ask, ask them what was when was the last time you cried and that can be a very powerful question but be prepared, have some Kleenex with you, because yeah. it might just actually happen there and then when suddenly the floodgates open up. And that is where you can really be there for this person. To be there, to be present, that is the, the cool thing. And I love the fact that you said, let them know that it's not like your life is just, you know, lollipops and roses, you know, that you have things in your life too. And what do you do to deal with them? You know, like show them the other side and your coping skills while being there in the moment mm. and allowing them to show all emotions. Awesome. But and also give yourself, give yourself a break. No, no. You also give yourself a break. You can't be there 100% all the time for other people. That when I say look after yourself can also mean switch off your phone. Can also mean, yes, your daughter is in trouble. But right now you're in trouble too. Yeah. And you yeah. come first. Okay, look after yourself yeah. first. You need to be strong enough um, to live your own life. You need to be happy and loving enough uh, with your life. Only then can you move on. Yeah. 
Stephen, thank you so much for sharing your journey. I really believe it's going to help so many people and my audience and inspire people. But before we go, tell us about your book. I got to get your book in. <laughs> Which one is the answer? Oh, um, I, well, the lowest one. How about that? <laughs> or the one that you... I, uh, said, no, over here, that one, uh, that one there. Mass Steps to Sobriety um, is uh, in its second edition, although I'm just rewriting it and uh, do the third edition on that. Uh, Mass Steps to Sobriety is a mixture of my journey, but also the lesson that I learned. And it is basically um, turning a 12-step program from this kind of religious, God-fearing kind of thing into a modern language. So it is basically gotcha. like like a like a failed business. Um, if if you and your friend both have a restaurant and it's brumming in and is full of customers in years, and your friend sees a few tumbleweeds in, in the front, um, he might say one day, "Hey, I don't know how you do it, but can we have a talk?" So step one, two, three is basically that he recognizes there is a problem, that he recognizes that there might mm -hmm. be help, and actually takes the, the step to call you. Um, you, what would you do as a friend? Of course, you come across, you probably sit in his restaurant, order a few things off the menu, observe what's going around, observe what is the kind of the food like, what is the, the whole feeling like, then go behind the scenes, um, check it out. So you basically do a deep inventory of what's mm -hmm. going on. Then you figure out that there are certain things on the menu that probably no one buys. So they, you jettison them, get rid of them. Um, maybe you refocus onto a different style of food that is more appropriate for your neighborhood or maybe for the way you want to to become in the mm -hmm. future. Um, then um, down the line, you basically maybe give it a lick of paint uh, and then you reopen and say, hey, still same management, but new vibe. Um, and for our for our loyal customers, uh, for you to come back, we, we know we've have, we have moved a bit away from where we were. Um, therefore, for your first visit back, drinks are on us or um, dessert is on us or something like that. So you make amends. And then down the line, suddenly business picks up with with your friend and he says, wow, that is working. So you keep revisiting. You do a quality assurance program, make sure that everything is going fine, education program for the staff, etc. And then down the line, both restaurants are going nuts. And your friend has had such a beautiful journey of transformation that he now thinks, wow, tell you what, I will help other restaurateurs who are struggling. I will do a Tuesday morning. I open up coffee for everyone who runs a restaurant and he is now helping others. So what I've just described to you is a 12 step program. Yeah. And yeah. if you look at it like a failing business, then you would think, Oh, that's normal. Um, so why don't we actually use that for our own life? And that's where, where my steps to sobriety breaks it down and then says, okay, so now you know that there will be challenges. Let's learn about those challenges. So that's the third part of the book um, where we go, okay, you know, you will have depression at some yeah. stage in your life. Yeah. Be, be assured. So let's talk about depression. Uh, let's see what it is. What can you do about it, et cetera. Um, what about financial hardship? Yeah, guess what? So let's let's talk about it and et cetera. So I'll address a number of challenges that are likely to occur in your life. Narcissistic people, uh, bullying at, at workplace, mm -hmm. et cetera. These are all things. Address the trauma. And learn about it. And when it comes, you're forewarned. Nice.
So that is my book. Um, I've I've put another uh, book together. We have got a, a beautiful. Oh my books! Of course, they are now all hiding. <laughs> no, here. There's one of them. That is Esme, the mindful mouse. There's oh, a little mouse. Yeah. <laughs> a, a children's book. That is where uh, Esme needs to learn the difference between not doing such nice thing, doing bad things, and being a bad mouse. So there's a very big difference between your behavior and you being bad. So mindfulness is all about that. And then we've got here Depression Light to Me. Depression Light to Me is um, a, um, a combination. I've invited 14 female storytellers to tell me their journey of depression Ooh. and the, the, the lessons that they've learned from that. And Ooh. they put that out as a book. So therefore, these are sort of the, the free books that at the moment are out. There are some other skeletons in my cupboard. I've written seven cookbooks, but I've taken them off the market. Um, they are, they are, no, no, that's no longer my life. Um, dangerously good German cheesecakes. Ah, oh, that was a good time because that was the first book I wrote after my recovery. And I didn't know oh. who am I. So I thought, huh, I always wanted to learn how to make a German cheesecake. So why not learn it? And as a doctor, why not write a book about it? And, you know, that kind of thing. Oh so this was my past. So now that my steps to sobriety gives you a beautiful, beautiful start. Yeah. Uh, if you want to read yeah. something, um, yeah. if you want to know more about me, go to my website, my steps to sobriety.com. You will find everything there about my show, about uh, other projects I'm involved in, about the way I want to impact uh, a million lives the way I want to impact the world and make it a better place. Yes. And I want you to come along on this journey because you've got the power guys to do exactly that. Aww. You are ready because that's the reason that you listen to Sandy's beautiful show. Um, so that is you're ready to make changes in your own life. And then in turn, you can become the light in the darkness of others. And that's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. These are the choices that we have. And I invite you to come along on the journey. Um, Sandy is on that journey. I'm on that journey. We both are maybe a bit further down the path than you are. So what? So what? This is not a race. Just come along. No. And <laughs> Not at all. I was just going to say, how can they find you? But we know how they can find you. <laughs> all right. Stefan, we're going to wrap up my Let's Keep It Real people. I don't know. I think he kept it real, don't you? <laughs> we would appreciate you sharing, liking, rating it, spread the love. And you know what I'm going to say. Until next time, toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.